Ravenbeak, more like a shaven geek. <laughs> See what I did there? Welcome to the Analog Sticks Podcast, where this week we're vying for our life as we blast our way through ZDR and Metroid Dread. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> ah. Alright, hello and welcome to episode number 22 of the Analog Sticks Podcast. My name is Rusty, his name is Cody, and this week we're looking into the latest entry in the Metroid franchise with Metroid 5, or Metroid Dread, whatever you want to call it. But before we dive into Samus's most recent escapade, the capstone of the series, Cody, how are you doing? Terrible! Likewise. This is the second time we've, we've done this recording, uh, our power cut off when we were like at the halfway point of this podcast and it was so good. And then all of the audio got lost. So this is our second time doing this podcast. Uh, besides that, I'm doing all right. I pulled an all nighter to get this game done. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have trouble remembering, you know, what I need to say again and what I've already said, but I, I might, I might start talking about stuff that we talked about, in the recording that got erased, you know? So let me know if that starts happening. Whatever happens, happens. Because we love the people so much, we're going to restart the whole thing because we love you and lost our audio. Cody, well, he bragged about having straight A's again. I remember that. He got straight A's last semester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know I got straight A's? Incredible. I, crazy. I, I think you've told me once or twice now, but still. I'm the first person that's ever done that. <laughs> Nonetheless, while he's not in school, he is still pulling all-nighters, but he's doing it for you now. You, Mr. Mrs. Listener Viewer. You should feel special. I really am. Oh my goodness. So Cody's sleep-deprived. I'm hungover from a holiday Christmas party. Speaking of, happy holidays, everybody, whether it be Christmas, New Year's, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever you may be celebrating. Boxing Day in Canada? Isn't that the 26th or something? I don't know. Anyways. too. Anyways, hope you're all having a great day. Thank you all for being here and joining us. But today... It's not just about us. We're talking about Samus and Metroid Dread. Cody, I know you just pulled an all-nighter with this game, but real quick, what'd you think? What what are your hot takes, opinions? Maybe just a quick overview would be nice. Yeah, um, for me, I could tell it was a great game. Um, But my my entire perspective on it is a little bit skewed because my personal taste means that I don't really like Metroidvanias that much. I'm not I'm not into fast paced, you know, difficult games that require a lot of skill personally. Uh, so that's something the, you, the audience, will have to keep in mind as I talk about this game is I, I, I just don't mess with this type of game very well. But uh, I, I still had fun. And I think for a Metroidvania of all the ones I played, this one was really solid and the gameplay itself was fantastic. We didn't do this last time. But I would love to hear, because we did cover Super Metroid. I think that was episode four, so it's been a couple months. If you want to mm-hmm. go check that episode out. In comparison to that game, wh- wh- what do you think? Is is Metroid Dread mm. like that cleaned up, or is it just leaps and bounds ahead or behind? I don't think it's too... I don't think it's too ahead or behind. I think, I think Super Metroid is a really freaking great game. And the fact that Dread can stand up to it is a testament to how good Metroid Dread is. I think that's actually a very good way to look at it. I would say 
as far as what it's doing on the hardware, I think it's not as significant as Super Metroid was at the time. I don't know. I wasn't alive in 1994. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess, that's how it would be. But nonetheless, if you're playing them both now in a vacuum, they're both very good games, but Metroid Dread is a much more polished and cleaned up and perfectly realized vision, in my opinion. And I, I love this game. Yeah. Well, Cody marathoned it overnight last night. I got it earlier in 2022. I think it was the start of the year, right after Christmas. I had a gift card or something, and I'm like, I want Metroid. So I got it, and I loved this game. I have put so much time into it. Not quite speedrun, but like casually speedrun it to the point where I'm like, how quickly can I do the things? And it's a lot of fun. I love the boss rush mode. Check out the boss ranking mm -hmm. video I did. It's really good. Yeah, I love it. And since I love it so much, I decided to write a burn for it. Cody, for the second time today, are you ready for this? Here's my candid response that I definitely didn't say before. Ready for the burn? Let's be honest. Am I ever really ready for the burn? <laughs> I say I am. Mm. All right. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> so here we go. This, this is, I'm, I'm going to say this is a chef's kiss. I took some time and wrote this one. After this is a good one, guys. You interrupted me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, here we go. After eliminating both the X and the Metroid... I'm so sorry for interrupting you. I, you know, I really shouldn't have done that. <clears throat> I apologize. It, it was just kind of weighing on my mind for a second there. It's okay. <clears throat> okay, for real. I'm Mute the mic. We're good. <laughs> After eliminating both the X and the Metroid from the galaxy, Samus can finally take a deep breath. That was until the Federation got a 2am you up text showing the X alive and well. After getting ghosted by the recently dispatched Emmy, we're off to ZDR, and much like an episode of Jerry Springer, he is the father. After being nearly wiped out by our daddy with some issues, we run around and let the X loose. Whoops. After containing all our old flings and awakening our instincts, we take out the Padre, block our exes, rein in our bender, and escape that hellhole mostly unscathed with the galaxy saved again. I tell you, Samus had one hell of a night. Oh yeah, as did you. <laughs> <laughs> as did you! So, well, that is, in essence, the story of Metroid Dread with a bunch of quips and puns in it. This is the end of a story that started in 1986. Mainline Metroid has now five entries in it, uh, if you don't count Other M and the Prime's Prime series as kind of a spinoff there. And I would like to just kind of real quick for the second time today run through that whole story to get everybody caught up in case you're wondering. In case you didn't know yeah. already, I should have done this before, spoilers are abound. So if you don't want the entire Metroid franchise spoiled, which honestly, they kind of do it if you've played the game, so whatever. But um, we're going to run through it real quick. And Cody's going to interject when he has something to say. <laughs> so first things, funny. first things first, there are the Chozo, and these are anthropomorphic bird folks. There are the Thoha tribe, which are the smart sciencey ones, and the Mocking tribe. And they're like the warrior types, and there's all that cool stuff. Flash forward a couple hundred years, because they live a really long time. Samus is born on the planet K2L, and they're like doing mining and stuff, and everything's all chill. Until the Thoha show up being like, hey, can we have your resources to make the world great? And the K2L people are like, mm, nah, we're selling to the Federation for money. So then they leave, and after they leave, the space pirates retailing them go and forcefully take all the stuff, and Ridley and his company take out everybody on the planet except for Samus. Her parents and everybody she ever knew is dead. 
So after that, the Chozo come back after they send out a distress signal, and they're like, oh no, it's only this one little girl left. What do we do? They take her in. She can't survive on their planet because it's for bird people. So they give her bird people DNA, some from the Thoha, some from the Maquin. So now she's this like is, a warrior. This is like Guardians of the Galaxy and Rick and Morty came together. <laughs> That's a very good way to look at it. <laughs> You've got adopted space pirates and bird people with bird culture. And one kid who's stuck in all the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway really the Chozo raised Samus and they felt bad for her and all that stuff but when she was a teenager she left planet Zebes to join the Galactic Federation which is basically like the space FBI or something but later she left because all the rules and stuff I don't know the exact details of it and she became a bounty hunter because you know less rules back to the Chozo now they discovered this planet called SR388 and they discovered the X parasites living on it and they're like oh these things are bad they can take over a living organism and infinitely reproduce asexually all bad let's contain these so naturally, idea. they made the Metroids. They genetically engineered a whole new species to be the apex predator. Apex predator, and uh, hindsight would have been nice here, but the apex predator predator they created took out all life on the planet. <laughs> so now it's just Metroids. Who could have thought? Yeah, seriously. They kind of said, um, "Oopsie." And, and real quick, all of this stuff was uh, this whole story was made before Halo ever came out, right? Yes, this is actually before the first Metroid game, as a matter of fact. We're not even there yet. This is all the prequel well, lore. No, no, no I'm, no, I'm talking about, like, when the story itself was yes, written. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, this, yeah, this came out before the first, well, this came out with the first game before Halo by, like, 15 years. Which is neat. Halo totally just stole from Metroid, if you think And then about Metroid it. tried to steal from Halo with Prime. <laughs> Anyways, so the Metroid took over SR388, and the Chozo are like, oopsie, let's get rid of these. And then they're all kind of unanimously like, yep, we're going to kill all the Metroids and destroy the planet. Except for one of them, who we get to meet later, who's like, mm, no, I'm going to use these to take over the world. Sorry, you guys got to go. So he kills all the Thoha, except for one. We'll meet him later. And then he's like, oh, we got to go. So then he leaves because I guess they caught the X or something and wanted to get that contained. Before and we're, they we're just glossing over we're, we're glossing over the fact that this guy just casually genocided an entire <laughs> race of of sentient beings. I guess that should be a bigger point, huh? <laughs> 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 Anyways, so they left, and in the meantime, while they weren't there, the Federation went in, and they found the Metroids, and they're like, hey, let's study these and maybe use them to save the world or something. The space pirates saw that the, uh, Gal the Galactic Federation had some <laughs> Metroids, and they're like, we want those. So they stole them and took them to Zebus, which was the Chozo planet. Mother Brain had them take over, because she wanted world domination too. And, and where did Mother Brain come from? Mother Brain was the Chozo supercomputer who wanted to make the galaxy great, if you know what I mm. mean, <laughs> and ends up leaning with the genociders. <laughs> Anyways, that's the events of Metroid 1 now. We go to Zebes, take out the space pirates, get rid of the Metroids on the planet, and Mother Brain. At least we think. After that... Metroid Prime happens. That's a vacuum. We're not going to talk about it. We get sent to SR388 to take out the Metroids on their home world. I guess they didn't know that they were genetically engineered abominations yet. And we go do that, and we get rid of all the Metroids, and everything's good. 
And then we leave, and we come back with one Metroid larva that hatched right before we were about to kill everything. And it was like, you're my mom now. So then we brought it back to a space station to have it researched. And this is a shocker. It gets kidnapped by space pirates, and they take it back to Zebus, and we basically do Metroid 1 again in Super Metroid. <laughs> this is a universe where hindsight... Oh, yeah. I was going to say hindsight doesn't exist, but it's it's the opposite. It, it's like no one has the ability to think of the consequences of what they're doing. It's it's tough. History repeats itself a little too often. Anyways, we go back and we take out all the Metroids that have now been tried to be bred on Zebus, and the planet actually gets destroyed. Like Metroid bread? Aha! See what I did there? <laughs> After that, there's the events of Other M, which are kind of also in a vacuum. Basically, some corrupt Galactic Federation people decided to make more Metroids and Ridley, and then Samus has to take them all out, and it's a story that people don't usually like. After God, that, can you, can you imagine if you're working in the government and one branch just kind of randomly goes, hey, we kind of got a problem. Uh, we cloned Hitler and Stalin, and now they're starting to do stuff. Uh, we need help. <laughs> that's like what those guys did literally pretty much yeah <laughs> after the events of other m though they we then go to sr388 after getting reports of some crazy stuff going on there and we catch the x parasite except not in the sense that we trapped it in the jar in the sense that we are now diseased they get us the hell out of dodge and they give us a vaccine made out of metroid dna and we're in a coma trying to heal or whatever in the time we're in a coma i don't even know if she is in a coma i just said that there are some more people who are like, let's do research. And the X must have been one of those new mRNA vaccines. Probably something very, like very effective. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it does work because now Samus is immune to the X. But there are X clones of Samus, the SAX running around and they're like running amok, causing all sorts of problems. Long story short, Samus takes them out, takes out the whole planet. No more X parasites. Everything's good. That gets us into this game. When we first see an X parasite alive and well, after we thought we killed them all on a completely different planet that nobody's ever heard of, the Federation's uh, like, "This is." I made a great funny joke in in the last recording. In the game, it literally shows you a picture of a parasite, almost as if it's like a Bigfoot picture. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like we we have a sighting on this planet, and they're like, "We oh, need to blow it up." We'll send the Mars rover to go check it out. And then they did. <laughs> That's basically yeah. It's like they it's like they sent curiosity an opportunity to go check it out. Yeah, <laughs> just with more yeah, like spears and guns attached. So they send seven Emmy. They're called extraplanetary multiform mobile identifiers. They get to the planet. They haven't reported anything back, and communications lost. We find out later it's because they got hacked into. Dun dun dun. But naturally. Or or they're like, you know what, guys? They can't really do anything to us out here. Let's just get high. <laughs> It'd be funnier Order that responsibilities. way. responsibilities. I'm done with that. It'd be much funnier that way. Anyways, they're like, Samus, you're immune to the X. Go! So then we go, and upon arrival, we go down an elevator, and it gets all staticky and stuff. And then we find a communication station. That's a rhyme. And now we're basically trying to get off of this planet because we met some dude who stripped all of our powers. 
spooky, not good. Cody, do you want to try to run through the rest of the story of Metroid Dread? Metroid Dread. Yeah. So you got the start of it right there. Uh, they found more of that parasite, uh, that virus. Is it a? It's a parasite, right? Yes. Um, poor Samus, the only person in the entire universe immune to it. So after all that she's been through, they're like, "Look, we got a big favor for you. <laughs> we need a hand." I mean, this, she can't get a break. She really can't. I mean, um, one cocktail on the beach would be nice before we get sent into a certain death again. I know, right? I'm imagining the timeline is like she literally just finished killing her last clone, and then they're like, "We found another one. How could this happen?" Oh, that's we crazy. We have no idea. Um, sorry for the yelling. Uh, but anyways, you're right about the beginning. We meet a strange dude. He takes all your powers. Um, suddenly you're you're just Metroid. You're not Samus anymore. That's a <laughs> that's a lore fact. Uh, but you're at the very bottom of this huge cavernous planet. And because the elevator stopped working, um, the only way to get back to your ship is to go through all the levels of the game. You know, all the various stages of uh, crust or whatever to get to the <laughs> surface. Uh, and within each level is, it is uh, like a whole section where those robots roam. Well, the horrible part is that these robots have been taken over. Who, who could have thought of this happening? Who could have guessed? The robots turned evil, and now they are programmed to specifically hunt Samus because she's got that special vaccine DNA, and that they really sweet, need that. sweet, Metroid DNA. That sweet, sweet, sticky DNA. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, and that's what they do. That's what they did to me. They killed me a lot. Yeah, they'll, they'll do that. We'll touch more According on how to those me, work. The story is that Samus immediately dies when she sees a robot. <laughs> oh, fun. We keep progressing through the levels, like you're saying, and we're just trying to escape at first, right? And that is until we stumble upon the one Thoha guy that didn't get killed, Quiet Robe. And you had you were very passionate about this section in our first recording. <laughs> okay, so I got to be honest with you guys. I'm a little sad because we had a really good section going on in the last recording. It was it was like jazz. It was so natural. And now I want to bring up all these funny points again. It's not going to be the same natural kind of way though. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to I'm just going to start mouthing off and we're going to see what happens. All right. <laughs> so so we meet this guy Quiet Robe, <laughs> right? Um oh, I got to say too, I don't know if I said this in the start. I finally actually finished a game we're talking about for once it's been so long so it's been very fun for me to be able to talk about this <laughs> quiet robe is that one chozo guy that was not genocided uh lucky him you know he got to stay hang back play some games we, some need, Doritos. we need one I don't know guy who did. knows science so you're, you're gonna hang out yeah. here <laughs> um the game was pretty jarring when he was introduced though because Metroid is a very gameplay-heavy game. It's very show-don't-tell. But then suddenly, we need to know a bit of lore to understand how the game ends. So this one Chozo shows up, and he like, he, like, steals you away. Like, you enter a room, a robot's about to kill you, and he turns the robot off. And that's a, that's a moment of, like, oh, my God, who is this guy? He's so powerful. <laughs> um, and he, he kind of 
drags you away to his his room or whatever, and he just lore dumps. There is no hellos or introductions. There's not even a who are you. <laughs> like, like S- Samus arrives, and for this guy, it's like a woman just shows up, and he's like, it's time. I have to tell them. <laughs> One point you'd made on the first recording was he'd been practicing this monologue for months. He sees Samus, oh, yeah. he's like, girl, I got to tell you what's going on. This, is, this isn't... You can tell this is not him just talking to her. This is like he was alone on a planet for years, and the only thing he did was practice his explanation for what is going on, <laughs> which makes it even funnier. I, I'm sorry, it, it shouldn't be funny, but it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Looking he <back>. immediately dies. <laughs> he literally he lore dumps he and then dumps. gets murdered. <laughs> And then, and then, his dead body just hangs out in the background of the room you're in for the rest of the game. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great. It's basically what the game devs did, because like you were, like we're saying, Metroid's very much show don't tell. They had to tell all at Ew. once there, and basically what the game devs did was they took a brick. The brick is Metroid Dread, and they put some mortar at the uh, ends. Because that's mm-hmm. where they put the lore in Metroid games. And they're like, we can't just go with the whole game without any more lore. So they take a chisel and just inject it into the middle of the game. <laughs> and yeah. then immediately kill off the source. They're like, okay, there's your lore. The lore that he does give is actually Boom. really crazy. Basically, he says, "Oh yeah, yo, you got lured here. You got baited into coming to this planet by Ravenbeak. He hacked into the Emmys and he's using them to suck out your DNA that is Metroid, because he wants to make more Metroids and take over the world, because, you know, they left them on that planet, and then when they came back, they were gone. half his species wasn't enough. He (laughs) needs to genocide everything. He wants to make the world... It's addictive. It's really addictive. You know, it's a slippery slope. You start off with just one group of people, and suddenly, you know, you're genociding the whole planet. (laughs) Yeah, stuff happens. It's a mess. So then we progress through the whole rest of the game, trying... Now we we have to take this guy out. And yeah, we, yeah. If we let this guy go, he uh, shoot. What was the reasoning for it? You lit. We literally can't let him go. Like he knows too much, right? Or like he already has some DNA. I don't know why we weren't just allowed to leave the planet. Honestly, I feel like there is a good reason that I just missed. But for some reason, I mean, he did have his own ship. Yeah, and so did. I don't know. I don't know the exact details. I think it's probably because he had the X and didn't want them unleashed had to contain them or something because we go through our journey and then that's right he kind of baits us into unleashing all the x parasites that infected his whole tribe and now they're overrun the planet every life form on the planet is taken over by x which we are immune to so now we're Mm -hmm. responsible for doing that i guess (laughs) it's a whole this is this is not the powerpuff girls x this is a much more dangerous type of x parasite it's a sentient jelly glob that takes over organisms it's a lot like a certain parasite in a um in a game about big rings with a with a dude named master chief just just some similarities i'm just saying (laughs) just there's some similarities it's it's almost as if it was entirely original it's tough <laughs> what came first the chicken or the egg they, they both happened <laughs> the whole thing with the x parasites actually came out probably around the same time as halo so 
That's true. When did the parasites begin I in the think, in the Metroid lore? I Which know game? Metroid Fusion like full fledged introduced them. I don't know if that was like a new concept or if they had it planned out before then. I'm googling when Metroid Fusion launched. Yeah, Fusion would have been after Halo. So actually, maybe Fusion, Halo came up. Fusion was 2002. Ooh. When did the first that is Halo release? Right after Halo. Oh. Halo 1 release. Yeah, it's a year after Halo. Almost to the day, actually. So they may have just been like, hey, this is a good vehicle for that thing we wanted to do. It's a lot of fun to see how similar the two franchises are, and yet they they can still take such different directions. It's fun to see, you know, different takes on the same ideas, I think. I mean, even Metroid Prime was like Nintendo's answer to Halo. It's, we're using our big Metroid IP that was shiny at the time and everybody Mm -hmm. loved, and we're going to make it the Halo of the GameCube. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. Good game. the Halo. Good game. (laughs) So, back off that little tangential Halo thing, the X are everywhere. We've got to suppress them so that we can save the world so that the X don't get out. And in doing that, we end up trying to take out Ravenbeak. Again, the lore is a little fuzzy. It doesn't really matter. Show, not tell. We get to the top. We take out Ravenbeak. Planet blows up. Good job. You win. But there's one big plot twist that we wanted to cover here. We did a whole big thing on it last time when we recorded, and we lost (laughs) a file, which was just awesome. (laughs) So we're not going to be able to do it again, of course. But essentially, if you've played Metroid, you know that there is Adam, Samus's AI companion, who's based on her general commanding officer from Other M, or just when she was in the Federation in general. Mm -hmm. And supposedly when you're going in the elevator, it gets all staticky and you lose communication, but you find these network stations where you can still talk to them. So everything is okay. I went into this whole thing where you're going through the whole thing and Adam is kind of directing you on it saying how, Oh, the odds are against you. Raven beaks. Really? He's going to be, he's going to kill you. You should just it's try just to so survive. strong and powerful. And Oh, his muscles. I just want to feel him up. <laughs> and then we get what, to the, what were you talking about? We get, <laughs> huh? We get to the Sky Fortress now, and when we get there, we're like, wait a second, this isn't right. And Samus does this thing where she's just like, oh, this computer is not my computer. Boom. And sure yeah, enough, so it was Raven Beak. The, the explanation with it is that the only way you can talk to the computer once you're down there, because you're so far down, the communication is cut off, is through these very specific computer terminals. And so during the whole game, you know, it... You just assume you're talking to your computer. And then at the very end, your computer starts going off on just the most horrible rant. <laughs> a little, little fascist. It, it, it's almost like like the computer is talking like it spent some time on 4chan or something. <laughs> and that's why Samus had to shoot it. it she was like, oh, no, it's we got to take it to pasture. It's too far. <laughs> uh, it, it starts trying to convince her that she's so powerful. They could rule the universe together, which I remember when I was playing the game a few hours ago and I got to that part. Um, I was literally thinking like, I didn't know com- this computer had that much ambition. Like I didn't even know he had it in him. Does he understand the concept of ruling the whole universe? He didn't, he didn't give me those vibes before, but then right after Samus uh, shoots the computer. It all disappears, and we have a Wizard of Oz moment where the where Crow 
Crowboy. You foiled uh, my plans. In his you foiled my plans. <laughs> oh, you didn't fall for my illusions. I'm gonna have to fight you now. And he gives her one last. Hey, you want to join me? We can take over the world together. And Samus being know, the he, virtuous he really, person, he doubles is... down after she shoots her own friend companion for suggesting that they could rule the world together. He's like, I, I got this. He's like, yeah. So, so. It, we're homies, right? And she's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. So then she murders him, which I, honestly, mm. he's a little genocidal. So I think it's warranted if you ask me. <laughs> I think uh, I think her murdering him prevented him murdering uh, billions. Probably something I think the along math those lines. Out. <laughs> One thing we did get into was the whole thing with the computer. There's I don't know if this is a theory or if it's been suggested or what the lore is, but. What I personally believe here, whether you believe it or not, is up to you, but I think that we lost communication with Adam in the elevator on the way down, and since Raven built, like, everything on this planet, he was using the ploy of the computer the entire time, trying to build himself up and get you to do exactly what he wants you to do. Hence my little joke earlier about the computer being so impressed with the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, the, the theory is that the entire time you've just been talking to the bad guy and he's been because the computer consistently tells you that like the enemies are way too powerful and that it's useless to fight them and that like there's no chance of you prevailing and whatever. It's not very supportive, you know, from your computer <laughs> companion. Although it is a little bit. It is a little bit like C-3PO in Star Wars when he's telling Han the uh, the odds of getting through the asteroids or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he is still hyping up Raven Beak pretty hard. He's his own personal hype man, which is a little weak, but yeah. I can respect it. <laughs> you gotta respect the hustle. He's, he's working hard. And, you know, of course, back <laughs> on the story, this is a Metroid game, so we kill him, the space fortress crashes into the ground, and then we have a timer to escape the planet before it blows up. Planet blows up. X are gone. Yay, you did it. No more loose ends in the story. Metroid mainline, done. <laughs> now, we can kind of start to put a bow on this section and get into the meteor parts, the gameplay, all that fun stuff. Now, one thing I'd asked you before was the Metroid series, the mainline Metroid, they have said that this is like the end point. You know how the Zelda series is like Skyward Sword is the beginning. This is the ending yeah. of the Metroid timeline. Do you think that it puts a nice finish line on the story or do you think it's kind of like yeah i would have done something a little different from my perspective so all i know about the games are whatever you tell me and then uh <laughs> super metroid and metroid dread those are those are my two experiences i think it does an all right job um i i can't say it does a good or bad job because i don't know enough but the fact that they bring in specific named characters and very um, dramatic final things happen to those characters. Uh, I get the feeling that this long, uh, epic story was pretty neatly wrapped up. They they didn't they didn't leave any cliffhangers, which was nice. There is no like, ooh, maybe there's another one. There could always be another one. I mean, you, you can always just kind of wave your hands and be like, ah, oh, there was a parasite somewhere else. But the the game itself doesn't suggest any more story beyond it. Yeah, though they they pretty clearly put an ending to this story, and I think it felt like a really big deal and a substantial thing. One more substantial thing with the story we forgot to touch on is after you escape the planet, 
I completely missed a whole section. Your Metroid DNA awakens on your journey and you use it to suck oh, the yeah. life out of stuff at the end. Oh my god. No, so so the, the computer is literally like, you are becoming a Metroid. And As, so all ugh. the times where I've called Samus Metroid, I've actually been kind of right. <laughs> Unlike that time you called Link Zelda. <laughs> that that's on me that was that shouldn't have happened dude in that recording even in that recording i thought you were joking until i'm in the edit i'm like it doesn't sound like he was joking like i'm laughing at you when i'm like wait a second he did it like eight times <laughs> that's some shit i'll wake up in the middle of the night randomly and be like oh, shit i did that i called link zelda on like a public publicly posted podcast for people to listen to Ugh. <laughs> any any creds i have gone <laughs> with that episode so back on this samus is now a metroid her dna gets awakened and she's all like green and sucking the life out of stuff with a plasma beam raven beak dies and we're escaping the planet running to our ship at the last second and as we get in adam the actual computer is now like wait, 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 wait. don't touch it you're gonna suck the life out of the ship and it's not gonna work and then yep out of nowhere, ex-parasite infested Ravenbeak pops up over your shoulder, and he's like, "You can suck not Ravenbeak, not Quiet no, Rope, no, no. Quiet Rope. My bad. The, the good one, the one who got murked. Ex-parasite ridden Quiet Rope is over your shoulder, and he's like, "You can suck the life out of me if you want." And then she does, and it cures her Metroidness, and she leaves. She like absorbs Quiet Rope. Yeah, uh, and then everything is fine. So he, the quiet robe must have had something that made her fine. This here's was... here's here is my thoughts though on the uh, on the recording that was unfortunately deleted by nature, <clears throat> literally by nature. It it is it's been blowing like hell out here. Uh, I think that quiet robe knew, like like shortly after he died his spirit somehow realized like, oh shoot, you know, she's got the Metroid stuff. She's not going to be able to start her ship. I got to let her know that. So my headcanon is that he continued to do what he has always done, which is stand around and wait for someone to come and listen to him. So I I'm sure he was so determined to let her know this little bit of lore about breaking your ship that his dead body animated itself into her spaceship just to stand there for like three or four hours waiting for her to show up just so he could be like, don't touch it, bro. Don't do that. I got you. I mean, I thought that's great and I love it. And that may be what happens. But my theory for the reasoning on that, I had two big cruxes to my argument. Tool theories, not jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's said that when the X parasite takes over an organism that they inhabit its consciousness and all that stuff. And they basically pick up wherever they left off. So the quiet robe X had a lot of quiet robe in him. And my theory here is that quiet robes mentals is so strong that the X is like, we have to fulfill this guy's wants. I don't know the yeah. exact details of it. Also, the Chozo, I, in one of the Prime games or something like that, there's a little bit of a lore drop that they have some kind of a foresight. I don't know how specific it is. I haven't actually played that game. I read it on a forum somewhere. Not 4chan, don't worry. <laughs> and then I'm reading all this stuff, and 
I'm thinking that he knew what was going to be happening and kind of prepped for it in advance. I don't know the details of it, but nonetheless, it all works out and the planet's saved. Here's a, And here's what I was thinking as I played the game. It, it's a little awkward how they have the computer tell you not to touch the ship, and then it's quiet robe over your shoulder. In my head, for some reason, my immediate thought was, did the computer animate quiet robe's dead body be like an avatar for some reason i don't know why i thought that it doesn't make sense for any reason within the story but for some reason my brain just made that connection right away that was my knee-jerk reaction was oh obviously you know he's been possessed by the ai to help her and then just kind of thanos snaps away when he's done <laughs> It all worked out. <laughs> that is the story of Metroid and in turn Metroid Dread. <laughs> One thing we really do want to, a lot of things we really want to touch on still. That's only the first half of the show. We still want to touch on the gameplay, the controls, the exploration, all the fun stuff that makes a Metroidvania a Metroidvania. And first thing I want to talk about is the gameplay and the mechanics. Obviously, this is a Metroid game. So surprise, surprise, it's a Metroidvania. And personally, I think it's maybe the most polished Metroidvania ever. Cody, what are your thoughts? How does the gameplay feel to you, the man who just marathoned this game? Super polished. Uh, it, there was a pretty heavy learning curve. It, it took me a while to get into it because uh, I don't I don't play many Metroidvanias, so I don't have that um, like that background experience. Mm -hmm. You know how you know you play if you play a lot of shooters, you can pick pick up almost any shooter and be kind of good at it uh I, I have the opposite where i don't play a lot of metroidvanias so anytime i play one i have to learn the controls from the ground up like a little baby uh, and that's what i did with with metroid dread jumping is something i kept messing up towards like the third fourth of the game <laughs> by the boss i was good at the controls i had to be good to beat the boss it took me uh i think over two hours to, to beat the final boss. I'm not very good at these games. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though. I mean, yeah. The, the... It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, very stressful, though. Those those robots chasing you in their in their little zones. Emmy zones? Yes. Is that what it was? Gosh, I... Ooh, ooh, I don't do too well with horror or thriller or any high-octane type gameplay like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely falls into that category. I don't know if I would call it full on horror. It's definitively scary. There's no doubt about that. But it's very much oh, yeah. stressful. As far as the gameplay goes, Dreadful. I mean, oh, I wonder where they got that title from. Uh, the gameplay is very much Metroidvania in the sense that you collect things to improve your character, to unlock more areas, to progress towards the end of the game. And it's a side-scrolling 2D platformer with all these crazy mechanics. The combat system is surprisingly, not surprisingly fleshed out. It is very well fleshed out, and the arsenal is kind of mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, a couple things that are new or refined in this game, there is the melee counter move. I think the remake of Metroid 2 on the 3DS had a counter move, but I've heard that it's definitively, like, good here, whereas mm -hmm. there it was just a thought here, it's more fleshed out. Cody I'm surprised to hear that it was introduced in this game, because... To me, it was one of the strongest mechanics. It felt very natural to have in this game. Yeah, and every time I had a successful 
counterattack. It was just a freaking hit of dopamine. It's so straight good. Straight to my brainstem. Especially in the bosses when you get those crazy cinematics. Oh, chef's Oh, kiss. dude. And then, yeah, you keep mashing the button and you're just like going to town on them. I love that. How many bosses allow you to do that? Because I, I think I only had two bosses where I did any of that so there are all of the main bosses essentially allow you to do some kind of a counter move to do something i know uh, corpius the first real boss does as does kraid drogiga the water boss bulb thing experiment mm -hmm. z57 and ravenbeak himself and they're all very 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 good i love the bosses if you want my full thoughts we're not going to do like a whole deep dive into the bosses we'll kind of share like general thoughts and whatnot check out the rankings video i'm not even joking it's some of my best work i i love it so yeah. much it's so good <laughs> dude when i when i first uh booted up the game and i saw on the main menu boss rush uh in my head i was like oh no it's this kind of game <laughs> i know one thing you brought up when we were first playing um Super Metroid, you said you needed to like dabble in bullet hells more because you're you're like it's too much to keep up with on the screen. Did you feel like that Dude, was ever a problem here? I know the central nah. units are like the epitome of bullet hell, but much more toned this game, down. This game made me feel like I was good at bullet hells. I liked it. <laughs> it was there was some bullet hell um some some bullet hell informed parts of the gameplay, but it doesn't go as intense as Super Metroid did. Um, and it, so it was very satisfying to like, you know, run around and dodge all the, the little beams and rings. That's it's so much fun. I love it. A lot of other things that I do love have to do with the actual controls and the mechanics themselves. Now, I know you'd said the controls had somewhat of a big learning curve, and I feel like there's a reason for that. It's a lot of you got to hold the button to use this thing, and then you have to hold this button and then press this button to do this thing. And it, it's a little tough to learn while you're going mm -hmm. through but once you did get the control, once you did get them down, what did you think? Did you think it was like a very smooth experience? Did you still think it was a little rough? What were it your was highlights? Surprisingly natural. Once once you get the hang of it. Uh, unfortunately for me, this I might just need to play it again a little bit without the time crunch. Um, I got really good at the controls right at the boss battle. Before that. <laughs> Um, I was collecting all the upgrades so fast that I didn't even have time to get used to uh, some new mechanic before I picked up a whole new one. But once you get to the boss battle, it's like, get good <laughs> or die. So uh, I got good, and the controls work out a lot better than I was expecting once you start to get it mapped out in your head. I mean, I literally wrote on our sheet, quote, smooth as butter this game once you get yeah. the hang of it it everything feels so smooth and a lot of it is some of the newer things that they add in the game they give samus a slide move to slide underneath edges and avoid stuff i love it's it like move i love it so much i i feel so mlg when i slide under bosses <laughs> it really is a great feeling i wish i could drive it home better but it's it's so good there are wall jumps in this game as there are in every metroid game but now it's not like some hidden skill it's just like a thing that works and it feels so yeah. good to do also if there's like a small little ledge or like a lot of the older metroid games are like on a grid system like a mario maker level or something like that and if you come up to, like, a one-block thing, you would have to stop to jump over it. Whereas in this game, you can just keep running, and Samus will, like, vault over small ledges and whatnot. 
And it's yeah. small stuff like that that really refines the controls and makes it, in my opinion, a pristine Metroidvania as far as the controls go. It also really ups the ante during a chase scene when you're in one of those rooms where the robots are chasing you. There's, there's a lot of sections where you have to blow out the wall to get through it. And when you're running, if you just aim straight ahead, so, so if you don't aim and shoot straight ahead, you'll take out the two middle sections of a wall, but not the very bottom block. But Samus will do her little animation of like vaulting over each of those blocks as you're running away. And it just makes, for some reason, that extra little action makes it feel so much more desperate when you're, we, you know, when the robot's an inch away from you and you're just trying to reach that last door. She's pulling out all the stops to make sure she doesn't die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's survival. That's ah, so good. So good. And then you're just running through a cave and she's like, okay, just bolting over this. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, you don't whatever. need a showboat, but okay. <laughs> um, I, the, so now that we're talking about the controls, I have to throw in a little complaint here and preface with it is not a problem with the game it's a problem with my controllers i played metroid with the joy cons mm. um and for anyone at home who who might play dread after listening to this episode um i implore you do not play it with the joy cons if you have any other options go for those if you don't it, it'll be a little bit rough the joysticks on the joy cons are very smooth and they're not they're not as tactile as the pro controller and so a lot of the movements and the controls in the game really suck with the joy con it's just it stopped being fun at, at certain times because especially um the the jump thing you know that one of that that final upgrade you get the the space suit that's what it is that gravity just suit keep jumping over and over jump. and over yep. uh it's so jumping is always up, right? But when you do your extra jumps, it's directional. With the Joy-Cons, the, the analog sticks kind of suck. So your directional jumps aren't quite the direction you need them to be in. So like during the final boss battle, most of my deaths were this one section where he's shooting in a circle and you have to jump around him in the air. Almost impossible on the set of Joy-Cons I had. And that's what really made me frustrated, because it wasn't a skill problem, it wasn't a game problem, it was a controller problem. And that's one thing with the space jump in particular and the gravity suit, um, where it in older Metroid games, it wasn't always the most smooth controlling thing ever. Because mm -hmm. one issue I had when I first started was I was just mashing the jump button, and if you do that, it's not going to work. You have to wait till you reach the apex of your jump and start to go down the jump again. And like you're saying, it always has to go either to the left or the right. So you can continue oh. basically hopping up a flight of stairs, or you can kind of like back and forth and in continue. In Super to go Metroid, up. that was so weird to get used to. In Super Metroid, it's particularly difficult if you ask me, but I also did not I didn't have the problems you're talking about with the Joy-Cons, but I did have separate problems. A lot of times in this game, if you're low on missiles, your options are charge beam or spam your regular phaser or whatever. And with a Joy-Con, mm -hmm. if you're just pressing the one, if you have them detached to where you're playing with one in your left hand, one in your right hand, without the little holder thing, you can't... Who uses that? <laughs> Honestly, in this game, I would say if you're going to use Joy-Cons, either play them with the Switch in handheld mode or with that thing attached. Because when you're trying to mash that button as fast as you can, I have to put down the left Joy-Con to hold the right Joy-Con to mash the button. 
it takes two hands, and if you can hold the controller still while you're mashing, it makes it all work a lot better. But -hmm. nonetheless, I feel like the controls are are very good. It's just some of the combo buttons and holding and whatnot can be a little overwhelming, but once you really get the hang of it, it is smooth as butter. And I don't think it really holds the game back. I gotta say, for as bad as I am at the game, I never had any missile problems. Because I I did probably spend too much time just running around picking up as many missile tanks as I could. So by the end, I had like 150 missiles. Mm. And I know one thing... I didn't even... I never ran out. I know one thing we talked about is when you first played this game, when I first gave you the game to play, I'm like, hey, the game is very much... It kind of points you in the right direction of where to go at all times. I'm like, just follow the arrows. Just basically follow the arrows, which is one of the gripes I have with it, honestly. And you're like, I like exploring. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, me too. I got lost when I had no business getting lost because I went off the arrows trying to look for other stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you will never run out of missiles, but... (laughs) This is, um, I have a thought. I need to, like, pin it in my head to when we get to exploration, because I know we have a couple... We have a couple more points of controls, right? I mean, we can go ahead and jump to it if you'd like. I don't want you to forget this. Let's let's go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was super worried about getting lost and not being able to progress, but, man, progression is surprisingly easy in this game for as large and complex as the world is it to me it's a lot like an airport where it's so well designed to where you don't think too hard about where you're going where you're going you just kind of end up there where you need to be Mm -hmm. um and i really commend the the design team of the game for that because i i can imagine how hard of a challenge it is to make a world as open as dread was and yet still still have this natural funnel that players can fall into without even thinking about it. I imagine there was probably, honestly, there was probably a bit of, like, math involved in in room connections and, like, how many ways can you get into this room? Where does it connect where? What are the paths you end up taking? Um, yeah, that's something that definitely takes a lot of effort and thought into um, for a result that that tries to be seamless. That tries to be something no one notices, you know? And I will say it is very much seamless, like you're saying, and the way they did it is... I don't want to say flawless, because I have my gripes with it, but it is very, very good. The only thing... Yeah. I didn't notice that they funnel you in that direction, and I still found myself getting lost, because I'm a human idiot. You have said that you have Minecraft brain, where you can explore and you have that spatial awareness at all times to where you know this connects to this, connects to this, connects to this, connects to this thing I need to go to. Whereas I will see two paths. One of them is like, you need to go this way. And the other one's like, there might be something cool up there. I'm always like, oh, what's up there? So I will go out of my way and then I'm like, oh shit, where did I come from? And I don't know how to get back often. And it's a little difficult at times for me. And I found myself looking at the map, looking for a specific block that i'd already uncovered to see where i'm supposed to go to but in all reality usually you get an item you use the item in three straight rooms to progress and then you end up fighting a boss after you fight the boss there's a teleporter right outside the door you take the teleporter puts you to a new area and then in three rooms over you're going to use the new item you just got to break a block to get through here to take you to a escalator to go to the next area it was always very yeah. well thought out in that sense, but at the same time, 
it, it, when you're looking back and playing back at it, knowing that with that in your mind, it almost makes it a little too simplistic, maybe to the point where you're like, I wish it was more. You had to think about where you're going because you're right. It is like an airport. You just kind of end up at your terminal all the time. And I, in a yeah. Metroid game, like Super Metroid, I loved getting lost and trying to think, okay, where could this next place possibly be? Not being told this is where the next place is at all times. Yeah. Um, shoot, I just had a great thing to say. And then it flew away with the wind. Sleep Goodbye. deprivation does that. Yes, it does. <laughs> in terms of exploration, uh, oh, an experience that I had pretty often was that I would take the path that I thought was the side path because I'm like, oh, I don't want to miss anything. And I'll keep going on that path and I'll keep going, I'll keep going. And I'll be like, wait a second, is this the main path? <laughs> and so a lot of times, if I wanted to explore any side rooms, I actually had to backtrack and, and you know, put some effort into exploring out different areas. I guess, for to me, I kept trying to be the explorer, looking for the rooms that look like it has cool stuff off to the side. And it always ended up being the actual place I needed to go. I can think of a good example you're actually talking about. After you defeat one of the Emmy, you get the speed booster, and that leads you to a different area. And when you get to that area, it kind of starts to funnel you towards a tram or whatever it was that you already know of. And you're thinking, oh, it wants me yeah. to go to this next area, but I see a speed booster block over there, like hidden off in the corner. I'm going to go break that yeah. speed booster block. And when you do, there's like one missile upgrade, and then there's a teleporter. And it's like, oh, it wanted me to come up here. It didn't want me to go to that tram like I thought it did. It's that kind of redirection, like you're saying. It makes you think you're going off the beaten path at the same time that it's just like, we wanted you to see that. And I think yeah, that's th really oh, cool. There's a couple times where I was like, damn, this game is playing me. <laughs> With that being said, do you think that the exploration is too simple or dumbed down? For me, not at all. Because um, I'm, a, I'm a Metroidvania noob. Uh, this is, honestly, I feel like Dread was a, pretty good intro title for as difficult as some parts of it were for someone who doesn't play this genre very much it was still pretty enjoyable and very digestible for me this is a very good yeah. gateway metroidvania because yeah. i played this game i tried to play super metroid when i first got nso because i heard people who were older than me rave about how good that game was in the 90s and i'm just like i don't get it i don't like it i played metroid dread and i'm like Oh, Super Metroid makes so much more sense. You're supposed mm. to be backtracking and going back through all these old areas. It's not a true linear progression. I mean, it is, but it's not like you go here, you go here, you go here. It's like you go here to go back here to go down here. There is an yeah. order of operations. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six. It's one, two, three, two, four. And I didn't understand that at the time, but it was nice to get me back in there, and it really opened me up a lot more to the genre. And now I want to play more Metroids. <laughs> yeah, it's like rather than just a straight hallway or a rail that you're on for the game, it's like a it's a complex maze with this whole weird series of gates that can only be opened in a certain order. It's it's so good. pretty much. Yeah, and like we're saying with the exploration, it is a little simple. Did you ever felt like feel like it dragged on where you're like, oh my god, where am I running to? Like this is taking forever there, to get to the next spot. There was a couple spots where it did get a little, nah, 
and I think it was a lot of the the stuff in the first region. What's the name of the first region? Artaria, Artaria, something like that. Artaria or something. A lot of your upgrades are in that region because a lot of uh, other areas will teleport to some random set of rooms in Artaria to give you your upgrade. And some of those moments, that's kind of in the middle of the game and it dragged mm -hmm. on a little bit for me. It was like, okay, I get it. I'm, we're going back and forth. We're, it, it, it's almost like the game really avoided any backtracking. Like they did not want... They wanted as little backtracking as possible, and so they, they had these other systems set up where there is certain areas totally inaccessible that you could see early on and then only access you know later in the game. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good, like you're saying, where they did try to eliminate the backtracking, but at the same time they made it to where if you really wanted to backtrack all the way through these five areas to get back to the first one, power to you. But there is one section where we're talking... I think it was right after we meet Quiet Robe, where you have to go, like, you have to jump two areas without a teleporter. And that one, I'm like, okay, when am I just going to get here? I feel like I've been running forever. One point I would like to make, though, is that it never didn't feel like that often. It never felt like this was too much running around. Because I think the movement system and the controls were so smooth that it always felt mm -hmm. good to move around in the sense that it took a lot for us to notice if we were spending a lot of time running. Because it felt good to run. Yeah. It's all about the journey. And yeah, it, it was nice. It was really nice. You brought up the areas a while, a second ago, starting with Artaria. Artaria. I don't know how to pronounce these. If you're going to get mad, eat a bug. There oh, are... dude, I have, I have my own pronunciations in my head that aren't even close to right. <laughs> like, uh, I hope the guy who listened to our Super Metroid episode and got mad at us for pronouncing Zebus wrong watches this. <laughs> Zebus. What is, what's the correct pronunciation? That is the correct pronunciation. I said Zebs, oh, and he's Zebs. He's like, what makes you think it's Zebs? I'm like, that's how it's spelt. What do you want me to do? <laughs> can we actually just to piss everybody off? Can uh, can I read through my my head canons of what I read? Yes, just let me real quick. Some of there are a lot of different areas here. Uh huh. They all feel pretty distinct in their own way. Some of them are more memorable than others. Some of them. When I look at them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that world. But, like, if I read the, the second world's name, the second area's name, I'm like, oh, I remember that one. Or if I read the third to last one, I'm like, that's what that is. And it sticks out pretty clearly in my head, and I like that. But, yes, you can go ahead and list off all the areas with your limited knowledge on how they're pronounced. <laughs> okay. I'm going to forewarn you. It's not even... It doesn't even go by spelling. Like, I, I saw the shapes of the words... And at, you know, 4 a.m., my brain was just like, this is the name now. <laughs> We've got Ataria, like Atari, you know, Cataracts, <laughs> Darien, very chill guy, Darien, <laughs> Bruina, um, I think that's kind of close, right? Yeah. Probably. We got Ferron, uh, friggin' Gavinaria, it's like Gonorrhea and Gavin together. That's what I was saying. Uh, Elon. Elon, Elon, Elon Musk, I don't know, Anubia, and then uh, Irish. Irish. <laughs> I love it that a couple of them just like outright were not even close. <laughs> like, I like that I, I said this before we even said the actual names. So I hope for every, for, I hope for the audience that's the true names you have now. <laughs> that's so good. 
Artaria is not Atari, but I respect it. Cataris is pretty clearly not cataracts. However, Dairon or Dairon, <laughs> I I also did read as Darian for like the longest time. Darian, Darian, Darian of course, yeah, that's what it kind of looks like. The I should be after the R, not before it. Mm-hmm. And then, what would you say for the water level? Bruina, Bruina, <laughs> it's Berenia. Oh, <laughs> followed immediately by Berenia. <laughs> Brania, uh, and then you said uh, I kept thinking of frenzy or, or freezy. <laughs> then there's Gabaran. I don't know how to pronounce these either. It could be wrong, but it's. I thought it was Elune or Elun. I don't know. L e l u n. That's how it's spelled. Elune. I don't know. Elune. Elune. And there's a, a, what is it? Hanubia. That one's easy. That's how I read oh. that one. And then Hammurabi. Iterash. Itarash, I don't know. The computer says it. I don't listen to him. I usually Uncle play with Iroh. the volume down. <laughs> oh, the these... computer does say it, huh? Yeah, so we're going to get yelled at. Of these areas, a couple of them really did stand out to me, and it was Cataris, because that's, like, hot. <laughs> it's like there's a lot yeah. of sections you need the barrier suit for, and that's where you get all, like, the lava and all that fun stuff. And then there's Berenia is the water level, and... As far as water levels go, I think this is pretty solid, in all honesty. I mean, you're playing with water levels, but it's not, like, obnoxious. And then I really loved oh, the dude, vibes yeah, there is... of Gavaran. Hmm? I loved the vibes of Gavaran, the foresty green yes. area. But what were you saying on the water level, sorry? This is one of the very few games with water levels and ice levels that oh. don't piss me off. They were, they were just fine. They were great. You they were exactly what they should be. Yeah, you brought up the ice level. Oh my god. It's not an ice level. So essentially what yeah. happens is you get to a certain point in the game, and the reactor core in Cataris that keeps the planet thawed out freezes over, and it leads to my favorite section in the game. Any water, any liquids turns to ice, and you have to progress yeah. through the whole planet. A lot of the teleporters and whatnot are frozen. It's... It's a nice movement section that I really, really enjoyed right after you get the gravity suit there. The movement feels good, and the way they kind of funnel you is really nice, and it feels like you're facing obstacles the whole way. I and love this it. Is, this section is, they changed the first level to, to be all icy, and, and then changed up you know the routes you have to take, which I think is so great because, at least for me by that point, the first level was definitely what I was most familiar with. So... Having to see the level in a new way and think of it in a, in a different type of space uh, was really unique. I really liked it. I will say, though, the one thing with that is it is a very linear section. They block off doors. They don't want you going in. Probably so yeah. that they didn't have to make them icy, in all honesty. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. it's a very linear path, but I still loved that section. It's one of my favorite parts of the game. It's a highlight, if you ask me. And I freaking love it so, so much. <laughs> I gotta say, from my um, all-nighter marathon, that was that section happened right at the precipice of reason, like when you could go to bed and it's mm. reasonable, and when it's way too late and you might as well be up all night. So in my head, when that part was happening, that's when I was like, "Oh, this isn't ending. <laughs> There's still more story that's gonna happen for a while, isn't there?" Because this section happens after you reach, after you think the game might end. You, like, find the last area, you know, quiet, quiet cloak dude. 
uh, dies, more story happens. In my head, I was like, oh, this game is coming near to an end. I've defeated almost this all the robots. This is about the you know? 75% mark. <laughs> yeah, when I thought it was the 95%. So that's fun. Was this section good enough to keep you awake, or was it just like, oh, I still have a lot to do. I should probably finish this. I gotta be honest, I can't lie to my audience. You know, I, I would feel terrible if I did. I, there was definitely a slight drive of, oh, I need to get this done. <laughs> See, but it was, it was pretty fun. If I was gonna have to binge marathon a video game all night, Metroid Dread is up there on, on the games that I think I'd be willing to do that. Like, I know I'd kept prodding you throughout the week, like, oh, how far are you? How are you liking it? Has it grabbed you yet? And you you were saying that it never really, like, sunk its teeth in to the point where you're like, I got to, I've got to keep going. I need to see what's happening next. It yeah. was more so just, all right, I'm still going. Was it, looking back on your experience with it, was it, like, really enjoyable or was it just kind of like something you did and you'll remember? It was really enjoyable. I liked it. I really liked it, honestly. Um, it, it never did really grab me in and get me obsessed or anything, but I definitely hit a flow state where hours went by and I didn't even notice because I was just vibing out with the game, running around. Um, I got to say, my favorite part of the game, and I think, I, I mean, this is like the highlight of any Metroidvania, right? is near the end where you have all the upgrades mm -hmm. and you run through areas you've been through before that used to be tough and now all the enemies are just little bitch babies compared you to what you've look got them and they die <laughs> yeah That's... oh it's so satisfying it's like i you you've worked to earn that power mm -hmm. that's why i think metroidvanias are really good at they're they're pretty good at making you earn whatever power level you're at there are a couple more points we still want to make here and we'll get to those, but just real quick, is this a game that you think you're going to have a desire to replay down the road? Maybe not, like, tomorrow, but in a couple months you'll be like, man, Metroid Dread, I, I want to get back into that and experience it again. I think the, the save file saves onto my Switch, right? Because I'm borrowing so, yes. your copy for, for the, the audience's information. Yes. <laughs> so if that's true, at some point, I, I think I would like to pick it up again. Just go on that same profile, and now that I have all the upgrades, just run through, you know, backtrack the whole world and find all the hidden items. Maybe 100% it. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. That was my first thing. I beat the game, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get, I'm going to 100% it. I 100% yeah. it. And there are some tough collectibles, too, which is really nice. Some tough, like, hidden upgrades and whatnot. I thought that was a really fun challenge, a lot of it. Stuff with the speed booster that's very much out of sight, and it's awesome. I heard about the speed booster. What's um? Is that different than, than the like? No, the, the speed booster. You you get? got the speed booster in the game. You get it from okay. defeating the yellow okay. Zumi Emmy. Yeah. Um, the shine sparking ability, where you run super fast and then you hit the down button and then you like do the thing where you slam down and turn purple, and then you can jump oh, yeah. super crazy high. There's a lot of puzzles where it's like you have to bring the speed booster crazy amounts of distance to get to one spot to shine spark at a specific angle and you have to yeah. stop it and store it at a specific moment and the way they flesh that out is awesome and i love it i don't it. know how many places do that but i only found one place personally that did that and i felt so freaking smart when i figured it out because i had to like leave the room go to another room so i could you know start my momentum on the run 
And then I had to hop across all these platforms super precisely as to not mess anything up just so I could ready my jump right at the right spot so I could get to that specific area. And of course, you do all that work and it's like two, two, two missiles or something like that. Yeah. But it felt so good to it, do that. It's it, worth it feels it. good to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing. And I, I think it's a really cool mechanic. But after I did that, I 100% in my save file. And then I'm like, I, I, I still want to play it again. I don't know if it was because I spent $60 on this game and only got like 15, 20 hours out of it. I'm like, I, I want to do it again. It wasn't like I'm making myself. I wanted to. And I, I played through it all again. And I've done it a couple times since then. Gotten a lot of mileage out from the boss, boss rush because the bosses are so good. What are your thoughts on them? I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, not like them because they killed you or do you not like them because they're bad? They're great. Design-wise, <laughs> great bosses, solid boss fights. I'm I'm sorry, audience. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm not a boss fight kind of guy. I'm really not. It's um I I get into it. I really do. Like when I would when I was having my 2-hour you know battle royale with the final boss, I you know, you start to learn all their moves. You it starts to become you don't even think about it you know they they do their thing and you just react to it I, I totally get how plugging into that can be satisfying it's a great way of getting into that flow state but me personally that's not how i choose to spend my free time um <laughs> not a big souls fan are you no gosh <laughs> i i really tried with elden ring i i still love elden ring but it's not it's like the least soulsy souls i tried an actual Souls game. I think I have Souls 3. And I've just... I don't know if I've gotten past a few hours. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... There is definitely a learning curve to most of the bosses in these games. Some of them are much smaller than the others, and they do scale up pretty well, I would say. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick a favorite, which one would you say it is? Oh, man. The the second to last one that had the, the laser beams coming out of his mouth. The experiment number Z57? Yeah, that was a cool one. I got to do my reaction thing on him, and the cinematic is incredible. It it takes you all around the the heat core reactor as you like just freaking beat its face in and shoot it as it's trying to shake you off. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> and then I gotta say, the final boss battle battle. Final boss battle. Um, I sent you a text. You've got it right on your phone. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read it I, back. I just, it was funny. Yeah, can you read it? <laughs> so, this was this morning, earlier today. Where is it? Uh, I this was texting is like Cody at seven. 10. I was texting Cody at seven a.m. this morning, and we're talking about how this game's so much fun, whatever, whatever. And then he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna finish this. I'll let you know when I get done." I get a text at nine ten a.m. I have stopped having fun. The final boss is five <laughs> tiers above what I am capable of. <laughs> Two separate texts. I yeah. have stopped having fun was the first one. I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> it's so that, good. The final boss, and I, I'm just going to say this, and I'm sure for, for more intense gamers, this is going to sound silly. That last boss was brutal. Gosh. Kicked my ass. I could. The first phase took forever. The second phase was even tougher because I had to get through the first phase just so I could practice the second phase. 
And by the third phase, when I beat the boss, there was no strategy in the third phase. I was running around just Please don't die. My, Please don't die. Please shoot, don't die. Yeah, <laughs> shooting as much as I could like a headless chicken. I had to look up on... So I actually ended up getting through most of the game without walkthroughs. But I did have to look up one tip for this boss battle. I saw online that you were supposed to use your super bomb when you're in morph ball mode to get rid of the yellow sun thing at the end of the boss battle. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it made it so much easier. Thank goodness. I would uh, avoid it. Gives it. tons of health. I got really good at avoiding that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you run out of your three or four super bombs, um, you are kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, I usually, when I play the boss now, and I like to think I've not perfected it, but clearly I haven't perfected it. I didn't know about a whole mechanic, but I think I've gotten pretty good at it. It usually only takes me two or three to get through mm. that, but it's it's still a lot of fun. I, I, I love that fight. Check out my ranking video for the full thoughts. All in all, though, I would say the bosses are fun. I love them. They're the best in the franchise, if you ask me. They're aided by the massive moveset and all the possibilities they can have with the upgraded hardware. They're engaging, they're difficult, and it gives you that kind of feeling I hear Metroid fans talk about where it's like, you have to learn their attacks, figure out how to do it, and react and get through. Whereas, you might mm -hmm. not always like that, but I do think there is some merits to it. I mean, the Souls what, franchise exists. What is nice... What is nice about that kind of gameplay is you you actually feel like you accomplished something and you got good at something, which I think is a very nice, satisfying feeling. Yeah. I never felt like I stumbled my way through a boss. I always learned yeah, what exactly. was going on. You earned it. And there were some mechanics in some of these bosses that took a while to figure out what exactly what you were supposed to do. They don't tell you, oh yeah, do this. Like, even mm -hmm. the Kraid fight, for instance, it took me a while to figure out how to access certain things and make it work but when you do it's like oh that's so simple how did i not see that and dude it's all I, good i found the, the mini bosses were harder than the main bosses they were a lot opinion. faster paced generally and sometimes they felt a little like bullet sponges to me check out the ranking mm -hmm. video for my full thoughts that's all you're getting <laughs> and they came out of nowhere like i you just be vibing along music chilling out, running through some rooms <laughs> Speaking of that, what did you think of the music? This was something that was very divisive upon launch. A lot of people are like, oh, this music in this game sucks. It's like the biggest downside of Metroid Dread. Personally, I've listened to the whole OST. I understand where people are coming from comparing it to games like Fusion and Super Metroid. I still think the music in this game is very well composed, and I like it for a Metroid game. Um, In my opinion, there was music, and I heard some of it. <laughs> now did it register all that much i don't know one of the tests like say. one of the tests that you told me to like use is would you ever catch yourself humming one of the tunes never ever mm. never 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 i felt like it was good background yeah. music but i couldn't remember one of the tunes and i think that's why people complain about it but i think it's serviceable like you're saying it was never like oh god what is this music like i never disliked it but it didn't yeah, resonate at all. It did and its purpose. It it filled out the atmosphere. Also, last thing I want to touch on before we wrap this thing up. Sound effects. Do you think they did good with the sound design in this game? Yeah, they did. Everything breaking. Everything getting shot. I loved every little noise that this game had to make. Even the like enemy sounds to key you in on where different enemies were. Like the robots when you enter their area. I really liked that. It did a super great job at clearly telling me when an enemy was nearby when they were far enough away to where i didn't need to worry about them and all that 
that is really good. Ugh. Long story short, this game has a lot of good going into it, and I personally love it. If you were to rate this game on our patented scale of 8, personally, this is a 7 of 8 for me. Yep, same. Same. 7 oh, out wow. of 8. Uh, because I I'm adjusting for my own uh, biases. You're giving it a point because you're biased against it. Yeah, my personal taste is like a 5 or 6 out of 8, but as a video game, 7 out of 8. That's a that's a video game right there. Does it match <laughs> your scale of only playing good games? Does this fall into the category of good games worth playing? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good game worth playing. If you like Metroidvanias, I can't tell you anything. I don't I'm not qualified for that. If you have no idea what a Metroidvania is, you should play Metroid Dread. It's a great gateway Metroidvania. I said that earlier. I feel like it reigns true. Mm -hmm. Does this have you excited for future entries in the franchise? Yeah, this is the newest one. Yes, came out last year, fall of 21. And it's got if me... I, if I have the cash, I'd be down to buy whatever's the next one. I know Prime yeah. 4 is coming out, so before they... Well, it may be coming out eventually. They haven't told us anything for like four years. Oh, but Prime is the 3D shooter, right? I want to get into it, and I'm going to drag you along for the ride. <laughs> With that being said, I think that's just about everything the two of us have to say about Metroid Dread. If you haven't already, and you've listened for an hour and a quarter or whatever it may be, Feel free to like, follow, rate, review, comment, subscribe. Just engage with it in some way. If you are listening right now, stop what you're doing. If you're driving, pull your car off on the side of the road and hit one of the buttons. One of the good buttons. Hit a button. Makes us feel good. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> for myself, Rusty Nails, and my good friend and co-host, Cody, thank you all very much for listening. This has been episode number 22 of the Analog Sticks podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>